we've been uh, considering the uh, we've been considering the idea of God appearing in human form in the Old Testament. Uh, we've seen some um, allusions to that as we talked about as we looked at Abraham and Jacob last, and then last week we considered Manoah and his wife. Um, this week we want to turn our attention to the New Testament perspective, particularly on Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. So let us give our attention to two points with three details attached to the second point. Let's begin with prayer. Father, we ask that you would help us now as we look at your word, help us to read it, to mark it, to memorize it, to hide it in our hearts that we not sin against you. We're living in a world that is telling us everything contrary to what your word says. And we have a choice, each of us. We live by faith in what our what what the authorities over us and tell us, or we live by faith in what you tell us. There's no there's no living by faith. There's no no living apart from living by faith. Whether we're scientists or whatever we are, everyone lives by faith. It's just a question of whose authority is being paid attention to. We give our attention to your authority, the Word of God, and we ask now that you would open our hearts and minds and give us wisdom. We ask in Christ's name, amen. amen. Well, the first point that I want us to consider this morning is going to be taken from John chapter 12. We're going to look at two points from John chapter 12. I'll give you a minute to get there. And the first point I want to draw your attention to is the time at which all of this occurs. It's it's the Passion Week of Christ. We notice that it's his triumphal entry. If you look at chapter 12, verse 1, we'll see that we are in the last, the, the week of the Passover. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom he had raised from the dead. And so he had a dinner there, and uh, because of uh, what he had done, the Jews decided that they had a plot not only to kill Jesus, but to kill Lazarus as well. So if you drop down to verse 12, what you see is that we've got the first day, the first day we're at the, the week of Passover, then we're on the next day. So we're in the second day of the week of Passover. And this is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. This will be the last time that this happens uh, because after this we're going to see that he's crucified and I mean they have a meal together and they go out to the Mount of Olives but the reality is this is the last entry that Jesus actually makes into Jerusalem and uh, and this causes trouble because as he's going into Jerusalem we read um, that they took branches verse 13 of palm trees and went out to meet him crying out Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey, and he sat on it just as it is written, 
Fear not, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Those, those is a combination of the references are a combination of Psalm 118 and Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. And so his his disciples, they didn't understand those things at first. We notice in verse 16. But when Jesus was glorified, what do they mean by glorified? Well, we're going to see. When Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And so what happens when when the Pharisees see all this? Well, if you drop down to uh, verse 18, uh, we, we read, well, we see that the crowd had been with him when he was with Lazarus, and the crowd went with him. They met him, and they heard these things, and they'd seen the signs done. And so the Pharisees said to one another in verse 19, You see that you, that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Um, now, there's, this is important for us to note, this time frame, because it's the time frame of the Passover. And uh, we need to look at a couple of reasons why this is important. First of all, it directs our attention to the crucifixion. John's Gospel may be divided into two books, the Book of Signs and the Book of Glory. At this point the gospel of the Gospel, we are entering into the Book of Glory. And you see the concern of the Pharisees. The whole world is going after him. What are we going to do about it? It also sets the stage for the presentation of the Pharisees and their concern for being undefiled by the crucifixion. Remember when they stood before Pilate? They wanted him crucified, but they they couldn't do this or that because it's it's the time of the Passover and we're going to be unclean. We can't be unclean. And so it underscores their concern for the external practice of religion. They were only concerned about what it looked like. They were only concerned that they fulfill the external requirements of their faith. Nothing else mattered. They had no heart. They are like people in the church today who have no heart for God, but they're in church and they think they're okay. They think because, oh, well, I made a profession of faith. I believe in Jesus. Oh, I have Jesus in my heart. It doesn't mean anything. We're living in a world where people make professions of faith, Christians, People who claim to be Christians, they go to church and they think, oh, I've gone to church, I've done this, I've done that. Oh, I'm being this way, I'm acting this way, I'm doing good in this way and that way. Therefore, God will accept me, I must be a Christian. No, you're not. You don't believe the gospel, so why don't you just come to grips with it and admit it? The gospel is what changes us, and when it changes us, it changes us in the right direction. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But it does mean we're going to know right from wrong. It does mean that we're going to say we submit to Christ and nothing else. It does mean that we're going to say we submit to the word of God. No matter what the culture around us says. No matter what the state says. I got a a blog this week from uh, Andrew uh, Sandlin. And... um, I don't agree with everything that he he represents, but um, I, he's a he's a good he's a good man. He's a Christian man, and and he he made he, he made some comments about the church, and uh, he's pointed he pointed out that the COVID drama has been it's uh, uh, it, been the church's capitulation to statism. 
because the church is given into the state. We don't submit to the authority of God anymore. We submit to the state because the state says you have to lock down. And our stance in any plague, during any plague, may never be, I can flout the past, the, the practices of safe hygiene because God will protect me. You can't do that. Okay, That doesn't make sense to Christians or anybody else. Wisdom, he says, is an indispensable component of faith. Therefore, the church may and should encourage hygiene practices and implement relevant policies, caution about personal contact, adequate spacing, those kinds of things. But the church enjoys its own independent authority. The church is charged to decide how it will respond to COVID just as the state and family is, 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 is charged with that. It is not inextricably bound to the decisions of the state any more than the state is to the church. When the governor mandates that the state, that the church cannot meet during a time of plague, the state tramples on the church's sovereignty and the church must resist the state and obey God. Okay, now, now I want you to get this. In, 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 in Jerusalem, in Israel, the people submitted to what then was, right, the mandate of the state. For the Jew, the state was the Pharisees. Jerusalem, the temple, they said what goes. They said what practice, what you did as religious practice. They set the terms. Those terms are even being utilized to this day in, in strict Jewish communities. So that you, you circumscribe a line around your house and the synagogue, or around the synagogue, and you can push a baby carriage in that area, but you can't push it anywhere else. That's, that's Pharisaism. You have to put another synagogue somewhere else because you can't push a baby carriage outside of that that in, that 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 line that they've scribed on they scribe it on the on the pavement for goodness sake that's what I understand. They make Shabbat's refrigerators that don't go off when you open the door. They go off and on at a set time so that you don't because if you open the door of a refrigerator that's run by temperature. Then you strike, you you spark a spark that it, that could ignite a fire, and so therefore you're lighting a fire on the Sabbath. Then you can't do that. You have Sabbath, you have Shabbat's elevators. They stop at every floor, up and down. Why? Because you can't push the button. Because you push a button and it ignites a spark that might ignite a fire. That's lighting a fire on the Sabbath. You can't do that. We're Pharisees in another sense in the cultural church to the state. The state says what we should believe. The state tells us what's right and what's wrong. The state tells our children what they can do and can't do. We don't. We're Pharisees. Are we listening to Christ? Well, the church should align herself with Christ. Many people believe that they are Christians because they do the right things. In this they miss the gospel, the gospel truth that Christians do the right things according to God because and only because God has brought salvation and grace to them. I think sometimes the church would respond to respond as Pharisees were Christ to be here right now. 
we, we do the same thing. We crucify him. Well, the second point that I want to bring to your attention, I remember I, the first point was the time. It was important to notice that this was the time of the Passover. Jesus was going into Jerusalem. He would be crucified. This was the time of his glory. Well, let's find out what his glory is. We move on in chapter 12, and we come to uh, verse, uh, verse, verse 23. And Jesus says to the disciples, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then as we drop down, we ask ourselves, well, well, what does that mean, be glorified? We drop down as Jesus is talking to some of the Jews. He says says to his Father, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, no, an angel has spoken. And Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the time for judgment, for judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, Well, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Because they understood what lifted up meant. Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus said, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk in the light, lest the darkness overtake you. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the light of the world. What is his glorification? His glorification is the crucifixion. He's glorified at that point. We don't sometimes understand that, but at that point, Christ is glorified. And then we read, as he tells them, then that he is the light. John gives us a commentary on these words. This is, the, this is something we have to underline. In verses 36 and, well, the end, it's actually 36b uh, to the end of the chapter. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done, now this is John's comments. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still not believe in him. They still did not believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he, he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory. And spoke of him. Nevertheless, many of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Now, let's, let's, let's look at this passage a little piece at a time. John is saying, though he had done so many signs before them, They still did not believe in him. This reminds me of Moses. 
Remember what we just read in Deuteronomy? Moses, there was not a prophet, there was not a prophet as great as Moses ever. Now, we have to understand that that's put in there after the death of Moses, and it's telling us that there was never a prophet like Moses who did so many signs and wonders before the people. There was nobody who did that. And we look at the other prophets that came along. Did they work signs and wonders? Sometimes, but not to the extent that Moses did. And so Moses is more of like a, he's a, he's a type of Christ, right? He's a type of Christ who came, and he did more than even Moses did. He was the, Jesus then is the greatest prophet. That's why the book of Hebrews says that, that Jesus is actually greater than Moses, why is he greater than Moses? Well, he's greater than Moses because it's like the architect who's over the house. He's greater than one who's who's over the house. He's greater than the, he's greater because he's a builder of the house. He's the architect, designer, and builder. Moses is a servant in the house, but Moses directed our attention to him. So Christ is the greater Moses. He's standing before them, and they still didn't believe the word. And so John says that the word spoken of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. And he quotes it. Who's believed what he's heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He's asking a question, but we could turn it into a statement. It's been revealed to them. In fact, it's been revealed to you. If you've read the Gospels, you've read what Jesus has done. If you've read them with an open heart and an open mind and you've prayed and asked the Lord to, to help you and to examine your heart and to see if you be in the faith, if you prayed and read through, you'd be seeing Jesus. His, the miracles that he did, the signs that he did. In fact, John's gospel is really just a book of signs and glory. That's what it is. Jesus did signs. He did miracles too. But John identifies certain ones as signs. It's curious what he means by that. But he did identify some as signs. The rest of the miracles he just mentions. But he did these and everybody saw it. And, none, and they didn't believe it. So, Mo, so John says, listen to what Isaiah says, folks. He asked this question a long time ago. Who believes what we've, that's been revealed? Who has believed this? And then he concludes, well, they could not believe. Why? Because God blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. What, what is he talking about? Well, in Isaiah's day, the people were so hard-hearted that, that they, didn't even, they didn't know God. They didn't listen to his word. That's why the people of Israel, went in, the people of Judah, went into captivity into, into Babylon. That's why, the, that's why the people in Israel in the north went into captivity in the Syria, with Assyria. Because they didn't have a heart for God. They didn't have a heart for God. And it's just like we read in Romans chapter 1. You know, the, you know, the, the, the deity, the divine nature of God is clearly revealed in the things that have been created. And man knows him, but man decides, no, I don't want to glorify him or be thankful to him. And that's what people today, it's the same. People are not thankful. People don't glorify God. They're not thankful for the very breath that they have. Amen. I know I was, I was reading this one person's uh, 
thing on Facebook, and and um, and it was right after I had seen pictures of children, Bradley's age, Emma's age, Mercy's age. They were born with a cleft palate. You know what that is? Yeah. Your your mouth is split apart. You can see the teeth. It's hard for you to talk. My aunt had a cleft palate, not that bad, but the, the lip is split apart. You can see their teeth. It sticks out. Their children make fun of them. Yeah. They, they, they have that. And uh, and there's a group of doctors that go around and uh, they 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 for free because these kids are poor. They do the surgery that corrects that cleft palate so that they look normal and they talk normal. Yeah. You know what? I saw that and I was and I said, God, I was born without that. I'm thankful for that. Amen. You know, I wasn't born in a country that's at war from the time I'm a little baby. I wasn't born in Somalia where people are starving to death all the time. I wasn't born in China where, where the Christian people there are being persecuted and put to death, or in North Korea where you can't even mention the Lord and people have to go hide in a field just to read the Bible. I wasn't born there. I was born here. And so, yes, I'm privileged. I don't mean privileged, a privileged white. I'm just a privileged person because God put me here by his grace. What kind of a person should I be? I should be thankful. But so many people are not thankful. All they can think about is themselves and how bad their situation is. And oh my goodness, look at this. and look at Everything is dark and black. But it's not dark and black. And we would know that if we were walking in the light as Jesus is in the light. Because then we would see, right? We would see that we have so much to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. Every time I see that little guy on Facebook, that's our joy. He had a, picture, a little video of him on Facebook the first time he sees snow. And he's out in the, he's in the driveway and he's trying to touch and grab the snow. And it's, it's precious. That's something to be thankful for, rejoice. And you see the beauty of this when you walk in the light. As Christ is the light. But now I want you to notice John's commentary further. And this is important. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory. Now most commentators, I checked some, the ones that I've checked. Most commentators believe that what Isaiah saw was a vision of the pre-incarnate Christ. And he saw his glory on the throne. Well, what did Isaiah see on that throne? Yes, what did he see? The train of the Lord's robe filled filled the temple. He saw Yahweh, that's what it says. And um, But what did he see? Well, he saw angels above his head, so he had a head, right? I mean, <laughs> he was sitting on a throne. What did he see? He saw a human form. So the idea of God becoming man is in the Old Testament. It's not, it's granted, it's a mystery. It's something that's revealed yet hidden. 
And it doesn't come to light until the fullness of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says, I came to fulfill all the scripture, that's what he means. It's all pointing to him, and he's the fullness of it. We catch glimpses of it here and there in the Old Testament. We catch glimpses of God becoming man in the Old Testament. But when we look at Jesus Christ, we are looking at, we are looking at God in the face of Jesus Christ. So people, beloved, Jesus is the light and Christians are to walk in the light. And because we do, we have fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And because we are in the light, we live in the light. Like Paul says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What does that mean? Well, it means that you walk in the light of God's word. It means that you, you, you listen to what God says. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. So we'll do what Jesus says because he is the light and we walk in the light. And so we're living as children of the light. We let that show in our lives. And when we do that as a church, then this church becomes a light on a, on a, a light on a hill. We do that as individuals, yes, but we become, as a church, we become the, a light on the hill, a light where people could see, because they see the fruit of the Spirit being born in this congregation as we practice unity and love for one another, as we submit to one another in the Lord, as we, as we, um, as we work to help one another when a need arises. That's what it means to be a church, it means that we're a family. I hope you've all read that book that the church gave you from Sinclair Ferguson. And then Paul goes on. He says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern then what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Say what they are. They are wrong. That's why the church has to take a stand. The Bible talks about gender and human sexuality, and it says what is right and what is wrong. And that does offend our culture. But we can't change the message because our culture is offended. I know people that don't like the church, and so they don't won't go to the church because of our belief in that in that in, that we believe that homosexuality is wrong. We believe that transgenderism is wrong. We believe those things are wrong. Why? Because God says they're wrong. And you're going to believe one thing, you're going to believe another. So you choose to believe the Bible, you choose to believe the culture. Really, there's no other choices. And so what we need to understand from Isaiah is that Jesus is Yahweh of the Old Testament. Isaiah saw his glory. And so God becoming man was a mystery in the Old Testament. It was something revealed but hidden, hidden until the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God, who said, Light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Beloved, if you celebrate Christmas without the light who is Jesus, then your Christmas will mean nothing more than tinsel trees and earthly treasures. And these will all pass away. And you will pass away with them. Let's pray. Our God in heaven.
your word brings conviction to us, brings conviction to me. I, I am so wishy-washy on so many things. You know, we're right to want to love people, whether, whether they're gay or not gay. We're supposed to love everybody. And yet at the same time, we're to expose the darkness that they're in, in a loving way, in a gracious way. We're not allowed to hate. We're supposed to approach our governor, not in a crass way, and not in a way that, that just defies authority, but in a way that exalts the authority of God and says, we cannot submit to you because we must submit to God. And if we suffer for that, then God, we ask that you would give us the, the grace to do that. Father, when we say that our world, our culture is wrong in what they teach, what they say, even what they're teaching about American history, has been shown wrong so many times. And yet that's what's going on. But what's most grievous is that our culture is saying things about Jesus that are not true. They are not biblical. And many of those people go to church. And many of those people are truly good people in a... In a in, in, a, in, a, in a sense, they're good in human terms. But they dishonor you and they dishonor Christ. Father, this Christmas, help us to keep Christ in our hearts, Christ on our lips. And help us to keep his mandate on, in our mouths. To make disciples of all the nations. To baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And to teach them everything that you taught them in your word. Help us to be faithful in that. Help us, our God, to be loving in that. And help us to be bold in that. Father, we ask you these things that you might be glorified through Jesus, your son, because we glorify him. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.